Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. <laughs> so today uh, we are talking about joy. And it's like the worship team knew what I was going to talk about today. That was great. So rejoice. Again, I say rejoice, right? The, the, the Christmas season or the, the Advent season is the, the time where we want to remind ourselves that this faith that we hold on to is permeated inside and outside with joy. Can you go to the next slide? Um, a Catholic teacher and uh, speaker, David Wells, uh, recently said this. He said, don't take this the wrong way. But the hallmark of good evangelization, strangely, is people enjoying themselves. When was the last time misery converted anybody? Right? It's so true. Right? Sometimes we have this picture in our minds of what Christ following looks like, what being a Christian looks like. And I'm reminded of a movie that I'm not necessarily recommending, but in uh, Monty Python's Search of the Holy Grail... Uh, there are, throughout the, the movie, there are this, this group of monks wearing these brown kind of drab robes and they're holding planks of wood in their, in their hands. And they are walking through these depressed medieval villages, chanting in Latin and periodically smacking themselves over the head with this plank of wood. Right? And it's this kind of comical look of what the world might see Christ following looks like, right? It's somber, it's serious, and, it take, and, it, and often you have to inflict pain upon yourself if you're doing it right, right? But that is not the truth, right? That is not the, the God that we serve. That is not what Christ following looks like. Actually, somberness and, uh, you know, sadness is not a fruit of the Spirit, right? It's joy is a fruit of the Spirit. If you go to the next slide. Billy Sunday, who is a relatively famous American uh, evangelist in the early 1900s, 1920s, I believe, he said, if you have no joy, there is a leak in your Christianity somewhere. So good, right? We should be a people of joy. When we are singing, rejoice, for the, the Savior of the world has come. Like that, friends, guess what? That's really good news. And so what I want to look at today is that this announcement of, of joy that, that came on that Christmas morning when the angels showed up to the, the shepherds in the field was an announcement of, of good news, which was joy for the shepherds, which was joy for the people of Israel, which was joy for the entire world and is joy for us today, right? This faith is a faith permeated inside and outside with joy. And I don't think that it would be a big stretch to say that each one of us is probably looking for more joy in our lives, right? That's probably high on our list of desires. We want to be happy, we want to be glad, and we want to be full of, of joy, and many of us have created this list 
in, maybe we've written it down, maybe it's swirling around in our minds or in our subconscious, but we have this list and we think, well, if I do this thing or that thing, then I'm going to step into this joy that I'm looking for. Maybe for you, it's like, if I could just lose 15 pounds, then I would be eternally joyful, right? Maybe for you, it's like, if I could just get that job, I could just get that promotion, then I would find joy, right? If I could move into that neighborhood, then I would find joy. Oh, if I could just be with, with that person, if we could get married, then I would find joy. Some of us might be thinking, if I could just be single, then I would find joy, <laughs> Right? If that's you, go to the marriage getaway. <laughs> right? We just have this, this list of things, and those are kind of big things, but sometimes they're smaller things. Right? It's like you get done with a busy day of work, and you think, if, if I just go home and, and binge watch Stranger Things, then oh, I'll be at, at peace. It might work. I don't know. Uh, or, or the Great British Bake Off. Right? That's, another, that's, a, that's a little more. People love that show. Okay, so instead of me finishing my message, we're just going to watch an episode of the Great British Bake. Oh, Leah's excited. All right, you know what? I'm going to press on. I'm going to press on anyway. All right, but so we all have these things, whether it's a big thing or a, a little thing, we all have something that we imagine is going to fill that void inside us that is looking for joy, that is looking for peace, that is looking for hope. But the happiness that these things might offer, the promotion, losing weight, uh, making more money, getting married, all these things that we think are going to satisfy something are ultimately fleeting. They are unrewarding without the joy that, that comes from knowing and serving God. Without that as a foundation, these other things, even though they are good, God gave them to us so that we could enjoy them, right? Without a foundation of knowing and serving God, those things are fleeting and fall short of meeting our actual needs. But there's also some people that instead of going out and looking and trying to attain joy in this way or that, they feel like, you know, that joy is unattainable. That it's, that it's not something that they will ever be able to get a hold of. Yeah. I read a story just this, this last week. Uh, there's this young woman, uh, her name was Jessica Starr. She was a meteorologist in Detroit on Fox 2 or something out of Detroit. And on Thursday, the uh, Fox 2 announced that she had committed suicide. She was uh, uh, a wife. She was the, the mother of two kids. She'd gotten her, her two degrees, one from Michigan State University, one from Mississippi State University in meteorology. She started in a small uh, newsroom, and she'd moved up, and she, this is apparently this job that she would, had been looking forward to, and, and yet somehow, in the midst of, from the outside looking in, what's going well, she commits suicide. And I'm not claiming to, to know what was going on in, in Jessica's mind or what was going on in her, her life, but it's just part of these terrible statistics that in the United States, on average, every single day, 128 people commit suicide. Unbelievable. It's crazy. 
It's terrible. And I bring that up just to, not to be a big downer, but to remind us that there are people out there that are struggling, that are living in the midst of hopelessness and despair. And there are some people right here in this very room that are struggling with hopelessness and despair. All right, we hear, uh, I listen to a lot of Christmas music on the, on the radio. Uh, I found a new one, Country Christmas. It's uh, XM uh, Channel 58, I think. So anyway, uh, so, but there's this song, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? But for many people, this is far from the most wonderful time of the year. This is the most difficult time of the year. And so for people that are struggling with the loss of a loved one or the loss of some other thing that are struggling with depression, for me to, to stand up here right, and to say that this season is abounding in joy is laughable. And I'm not trying to, to say or to insinuate that if you're struggling with dis- depression or hopelessness, just have a little more faith and you'll be fine. Right? That's not what I'm saying at all. You know, if that is you, you don't have to walk through difficult seasons alone, right? You can talk to me. You can talk to one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, You can talk to a friend. You know, talk to a professional counselor. There is help. You don't have to endure the the pain, the hopelessness alone. But what I do want to say today is what the, the Bible shows is that joy is not something that we need to create. It's not some external thing, right, that, that we need to, to put on like a, like a jacket, but that joy is something that rises up from within us if we live in right relationship with God. And so we, we celebrate joy during Christmas, not because we are oblivious to our circumstances, not because we are trying to forget about the the loss or the thing that is bringing us pain, right? But it is because at this time we remember that in the the darkness of the the Judean countryside, in, in a world that was fallen, had rejected God, in a a world that had not heard the, the voice of God for 400 years, Jesus comes as a light in the darkness. And Jesus is the joy that we all need. And joy comes from living in right relationship with God. Not something that you can create. And so often people are trying to get joy. They're trying to find pleasure. They're trying to meet their their needs. And Paul actually deals with this situation in his second letter to Timothy. So if you could go to that slide. Paul warns Timothy, who is taking over this church in Ephesus. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Jeez, Paul. He's a big downer. (laughs) And Paul believed that he was living in the last days. And he probably saw 
firsthand these situations playing out in Ephesus and Colossae and Jerusalem, all over the world. We see people, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, the worst thing ever, disobedient to parents. Oh, can you imagine? What kind of a person could that be? Without love, unforgiving, without self-control. Right? We, and even today, if Paul was living in the last days, I'm, I'm guessing that there's still a chance that we're living in the last days. Right? And we can see these kinds of people. And even worse, often we see these kind of people staring back at us in the mirror. How often are we looking for joy, looking for peace, looking for happiness, and we think, oh, if I just had some more money, boasting about ourselves, kind of puffing ourselves up, disobeying our parents, boo, unholy, you know, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, right? We see all this stuff out in the world and we see it in ourselves. These are people, Paul kind of summarizes, people that live like this are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're seeking first to meet their own needs. They're seeking first to meet their desires. And it is destructive and it is broken. And it is ultimately never going to bring that joy that they're looking for. So growing up in the church around somewhere just outside of high school, I ended up walking away from God. Didn't care anything uh, about that and was not interested in that. I I was more interested in my own happiness, my own joy, right? And it seemed to me that I knew a lot of the things that God wanted me to do, and none of those seemed like they're going to bring very much joy, right? I, I, I went to high school. I knew how to have fun, right? I, it's partying and, and drinking and seeking to, to meet my needs and my desires first and foremost, and so I did that. I ran after those things. And as I look back at those seasons or that season of my life, just remember this heaviness, right? And this sadness that permeated all. And there's little, you know, there's little moments where this party was really fun or doing this thing was fun. But ultimately, my life was kind of permeated with heaviness and sadness. None of the things that brought me joy ever did in any meaningful or lasting way. So often many of us see God as this obstacle to our joy, right? But God revealed in Scripture is the opposite of that, right? It's amazing. The Bible doesn't reveal a God who is looking to keep people under his thumb. He's not looking for this somber submission, deprived of all joy and pleasure, right? He's looking to, to draw his people into the fullness of joy, true joy that lasts, so that we can actually truly enjoy all of the pleasures of this world. It's not wrong to have fun. It's not wrong to enjoy this world and all the good things that God has put in it. But when we are looking for those things to be the foundation of our life, they will always let us down. 
So we can see uh, what God uh, reveals himself to be in a, in a bunch of passages in the Old Testament, but I want to look at Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 through 19, and this is God speaking through the, the prophet Isaiah, and he says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will pass, uh, the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. And there's no crying, right? There's no weeping. It doesn't mean it's silent. It probably means that people are rejoicing Oh, this is so good. I'm taking delight in God. I'm taking delight in the new heavens and the new earth that God has given us for our enjoyment. It's so good. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 16, I just found this a couple days ago. I didn't put it in the slides, but in Deuteronomy chapter 16, 15, this is in the midst of the law. Uh, Moses is recounting the law before Israel goes back into to take the, the promised land. And I'm going to read it, or else I'll get it wrong. I can't quote things wrong. Uh, Deuteronomy 16, 15. This is the law. This is heavy. Seven days you will celebrate a feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses. Because the Lord your God will bless you in all of your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will be altogether joyful. Thus saith the Lord right? Like, that's not, that, that's not the takeaway, right? It's like, have a feast, have a party. We are going to celebrate because I'm going to bless your socks off, and I want your joy to abound. I want you to have complete, full, and lasting joy. That's the God that we serve. Oh, I got distracted there for a second. Uh, so yeah, so that's the God we serve, and the, the, the proclamation the, uh, of Jesus to the, to the, the, the proclamation of Jesus to the shepherds in the fields by the angels, there we go, right, in Luke chapter 2, is this proclamation of joy. Yes. It is the proclamation of good news. It will cause great joy for all the people. Because Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The arrival of Jesus was an announcement of great joy for all the people, for the shepherds, for all of Israel, for the entire world, and for each and every one of us today. It is good news. You can come into the church with a smile on your face. It is okay. And 33 years after this announcement in the, the field that night to the shepherds, 33 years later, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross. And in 15, 16, and 17 of the Gospel of John, Jesus is giving some last-minute instruction to his disciples. All right? And one of the things that he, he tells them is how to attain, how to hold on to this joy that was proclaimed to the whole world 33 years before. 
So Jesus says in the Gospel of John, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so what we see here is that that Jesus instructing his disciples how to remain in his love. Right? This is, uh, uh, what do we call this? This is an imperative verb, right? This is an imperative. It means it was a command. This is not an optional idea. He's not just kind of, hey, here's one thing you could do, right? But this is a command from Jesus. He said, now remain in my love. And why would he tell them this? I think this is interesting. Jesus is on his way to the cross. Jesus, who had walked with them for three years, who had mentored them and counseled them, right, led them, who had shown himself to be the Messiah, was about to go away. He was about to leave. And so the natural response, if I was like, oh, Jesus is leaving, like, that would be a big bummer. Right? That's a big bummer. But Jesus says, don't, don't, don't stay in that place. Don't worry. He talks more about this in chapter 17. We don't have time for that. Right? But he says, remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Remember my love. Dwell in my love. Don't forget. Don't let go. And it's easy to remain in other things. Right? It's easy to remain in religion. Right? Or it's easy to remain in hopelessness. It's easy to remain in fear. But Jesus seems so far away, so distant, so absent. And yet he says, remain in my love. Your experience... He's, maybe he's telling the, 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 the disciples, your experience in a few days is going to look like you've been abandoned, that you have been forgotten, right? That, that you have been deprived of, of joy or salvation. But don't listen to your experience. Remain in my love. And so how, how, does he, how do we do that? Okay, Jesus says, how do I remain in your love? He says, if you keep my commands... You will remain in my love. Some translations say abide, right? You will stay, you will remain, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commands just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, right? Jesus wasn't asking his disciples to do anything that he wasn't willing to do. And Jesus to follow his father's commands meant that he was heading to the cross. Right? He was going to sit in that garden going, God, if, if there's any way, will you please take this cup away from me? Right? Following Jesus doesn't mean that the path is going to be fun and easy. And when we run into difficulty and pain on that path, it doesn't mean that we have missed it, or we are unfaithful, or that we have uh, somehow stepped outside of God's perfect will. Right? The, the reality is, if when we stay 
abiding, remaining in God in the midst of whatever the situation is, the good and the bad, then we remain in his love. And what is the outcome of that? Go to the next slide, please. He told, you, told his disciples this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My joy in you, not my joy. Jesus' joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That sounded like I was saying that. I was just quoting it. <laughs> I was just quoting it. Right? This, is what, this is why Jesus came. This is one of the reasons why Jesus came. There's an announcement of great joy that will be to the whole world. And Jesus says, nearing the end of his life, stay in me, remain in me, even when it looks dark, even when it looks hopeless, remain in me and my joy will be in you. It's not something that you have to create. It's not something that you have to kind of drum up on your own. But by staying in lockstep with Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith, we will have joy bubbling up inside of us. This is a fruit of the Spirit, right? We have an unending well of joy in addition to love, peace, let me think about this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit of the Spirit. All those we have as much as we need. There is no somberness on that list. No two-by-fours. No two Whack! You don't have to beat yourself up. And so what we can take away from this passage, this little passage of scripture, is that joy is not a requirement of Christ's followers, but it is a consequence of living in Christ. Don't beat yourself up because you're not feeling joy. That's not going to help. Trust me, that's not going to work. But it just means that we need to run to Jesus and ask him to, to let that joy that unending well of joy bubble up inside of us. And this little word that was translated in verse 11 uh, is maybe your joy may be complete. Uh, in other translations, it says that your joy may be made full. Right? Jesus uses the exact same word here in an unrelated parable in Matthew chapter 13, where he says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. So here is a, a depiction of a full net of fish. Isn't that amazing? Right? And it's this picture in that parable of fullness, of overflowing, of abundance. We are, our task is complete. We can hold no more. We're going back to shore, to bring in our bounty. And now, where fish are kind of gross and smelly, I imagine that is not a pleasant place to be. Ah, you know, uh, my dad told me you should always use all the senses when you're preaching, right? And so there you go. Smell the rotting fish on the dock. Okay. Um, uh, so, so, but, so fish are kind of gross and smelly and slimy, but joy is not. Joy is great. <laughs> joy is amazing. And, in the, and just like this net is overflowing with an abundance of fish, our lives 
rightly oriented with Christ are abounding and overflowing with joy. Right? We can reach in and pull one out for lunch anytime we want to. That didn't really work out. Forget that. Right? Right? And this fullness of joy, this complete joy, this satisfaction of joy is really in contrast to the joy that the world offers. The joy that is fleeting, the joy that is passing, the joy that seems like, I thought I got a hold of it, but my hand is empty. The announcement of, of the angels to the shepherds in Luke 2 was an announcement of joy. The long, dark time for Israel of waiting was over. The Messiah was here. Rejoice and be glad. Your salvation has arrived. And for some of us here today, we might feel like we are in a long, dark time of waiting. It may seem like the Lord is far away, that he is unresponsive. But the story of Jesus' birth that we celebrate today it is a reminder that Christ, our Savior, has come. And in him is fullness of joy. Joy not based on our circumstances, joy not based on our experiences, but true joy that bubbles up from deep inside because of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. And this is joy that endures the pain and the difficulties of a world still waiting for Jesus to come back. And so in this Advent season, let's celebrate the arrival of joy, the arrival of Jesus in Bethlehem thousands of years ago. And we rejoice. But let's also look forward to the joy that will come in all its fullness when Jesus returns and restores everything to the way it's supposed to be.